from the Red Shoe Institute. This is Touch Base Tuesdays, sharing life-changing stories and advice to help military families with all phases of deployment. And now, here's your host, founder of the Red Shoe Institute, Dr. Margarita Gurry. Well, welcome to the online version of Touch Base Tuesdays. This is Dr. Margarita Gurry with Red Shoe Radio, and I am delighted to have with us Dr. Richard Doss. I met Dr. Doss for the first time. He's a clinical psychologist and an award-winning individual helping prevent suicide. He's a trauma expert. We'll ask him more about what he does. But when I met him, he was a suicide prevention manager for the Department of Defense, working with the U.S. Army Reserve. And my dear friend, Rose Soto of the 88th RSC, who is the best uh, ever in terms of planning uh, meaningful yellow ribbon events um, for, her, for her folks, um, had been talking about Dr. Doss for forever. Dr. Doss, welcome. How are you today, sir? It's a good day to be alive. I am great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you well, for having it's me a on. good thing you have that attitude as a suicide prevention expert. <laughs> That's right. So, you know, what makes it a good day to be alive, sir? Well, you know, often response the time, oftentimes the response that I get from people is that you know every day is a good day to be to be alive, and so you know every day it's is a true. new opportunity to make dreams come true. That's true. right. So if that's the case, why is it that so many people are con- contemplating suicide that we need a suicide expert? Well, I think the, the reality of it is that uh, everybody has stressors. Uh, and what I, what I like to say is that everybody has stuff. And sometimes, uh, you know, people's stuff just becomes overwhelming. Uh, oftentimes people will have... Um, uh, uh, traumatic experiences um, that they just can't get beyond, or they'll have, you know, various traumas uh, in their lives that uh, seem to sometimes overwhelm them. But uh, ultimately, when people start thinking about suicide, you know, it's uh, intense feelings of, you know, maybe loneliness or or worthlessness or hopelessness, you know, uh, guilt, helplessness, depression. Uh, ultimately, they feel like, you know, whatever that situation is, that's uh, so bad. Uh, that it, it'll never go away and, and that things won't get better. And so, you know, that's that's what pe- puts people in a, in a position where they feel like, you know, life, you know, isn't worth living. Now, my experience has been that uh, oftentimes when people say that they wish they were dead, they don't really want to be in the ground six feet under. What they really mean is that they wish that, you know, whatever experience that they're going through right now, uh, they wish that it, it uh, would go away. You know, so they're not saying that I want to be dead. What they're saying is that I don't want to go on living if life is going to be like this, if I'm going, going to be experiencing this, this pain, this torment, and this depression, uh, this sadness, and this loneliness. And so sometimes uh, suicide becomes a, uh, what they believe to be a viable option uh, when, when they think about the choices that they have. So what keeps most people from actually killing themselves? It's easy to contemplate it. We've all had those days where we think, well, it'll be easier to not be here. What keeps us from doing it? Well, there, there, you know, really is no, no, no magic bullet, but there seem to be a few things that helps us uh, sometimes be resilient. You know, one of the things that I think helps is, you know, if you have been through a difficult uh, uh, time before and you survived it, 
uh, you were going through maybe some some financial problems and and uh, you you came out on the other side or you were in a, a horrible relationship and you came out on the other side and you realize that things you know do get better finances do get better and the relationships do get better you can draw on that experience to say that uh, you know there's no reason to, to, to take my life um, sometimes it's people's uh, faith you know uh, I think one of the, the greatest things that I think faith and, and, and church does for people, uh, aside from just kind of the whole religiosity of going to church, is church gives, and faith gives people hope. Uh, hope that things can get better. Hope that things uh, will get better. You know, the thing that I say for people who, who don't have a sense of faith is that if you are relying all, uh, solely on yourself uh, to be able to solve all problems, uh, ultimately you're going to come to that day where your resources are limited. So, you know, it's good to, to believe in something, you know, bigger than yourself. Uh, and it can give you a reason to have hope that, you know, things can change. Uh, I think it's also important to to have, uh, you know, good family and friends uh, that can support you, you know, during difficult times. Uh, I know uh, sometimes when I'm doing therapy, um, sometimes family, you know, may be the source of some of your trauma and, and, and pain. And so sometimes people need to learn to get away from, you know, those kinds of experiences and, and that traumatic history. Uh, but ultimately, having good family and friends uh, can can be meaningful. Um, having hobbies, social groups, things. You know, at the end of the day, you have to have a reason to live, you know, a reason to, to get up in the morning. And for some people, it can be something as simple as, you know, man, I need to, to, to feed my dog in the morning. You know, I need to take my dog out for a walk in the morning. So uh, for different uh, people, uh, you know, there are different reasons that they, you know, find uh, to, to stay alive. And, you know, I hope through, you know, this uh, this conversation that we'll have today that more people, you know, will find themselves in the position to, to want to be alive uh, when they find themselves in crisis. Well, the one thing that struck me when I heard you speak to an audience of soldiers and family members was that you really helped everyone be more comfortable asking the question, are you thinking about killing yourself? Could you please address that? Because I thought that was very moving and very practical, very helpful. Right. So I think uh, one of the difficult things that uh, people have is, you know, the the whole topic of suicide has been, you know, taboo in our culture, uh, and people don't talk about it. And so when people, you know, die by suicide in somebody's family, oftentimes uh, they won't address, you know, the the, the method of death. Uh, oftentimes when we ask family members, um, you know, when we do our suicide investigations uh, for the Army, um, do they have any ideas about why the person uh, might, have, might have suicided? You know, uh, oftentimes family members are in de- denial uh, for you know, some faiths and some religions. You know, it is a uh, uh, a very bad thing. You know, you go to hell for you know, uh, suiciding. Uh, when you think about, you know, historically how people have talked about suicide, you know, we used to say that people would commit suicide. 
but you know that language has changed. Now we use suicide as a verb, so people you know might suicide, or we will say that they suicided because to commit you know suggests that it's a crime and that you could go to jail for it. Um, and like I said, in, in the uh, uh, in from a religious perspective, you know you could go to hell for it. So it's something that people haven't talked about it. Uh, talked about. So when you get to the point where it's time for somebody to ask that question, you know, uh, are you thinking about killing yourself? Uh, people find themselves in a position where they have no experience uh, with the topic. Uh, they don't know how to begin the discussion. And uh, and so uh, oftentimes I'll work with uh, officers and NCOs who, you know, I'll say, you know, I need you to be able to ask the soldier, you know, are you thinking about uh, suicide? Are you thinking about killing yourself? And what I'll hear uh, officers and uh, NCOs say is uh, things like, "You're not thinking about doing something stupid, are you?" And so when you when you when you think about you know somebody asking a question uh, like that, uh, it's going to be very hard for somebody to uh, respond affirmatively. Uh, and so it's hard for people to ask the question. Uh, I think a part in part because it's taboo, uh, in part because they don't have much experience. Uh, but then ultimately, I believe that, you know, uh, there is a fear that if I were to ask someone uh, whether or not they were suicidal and they, they were, or whether they were thinking about killing themselves, uh, I, I might be horrified if they responded with a yes. You know, so so what then? Really. Let's say I ask you and you say yes. What do I do? Uh, first, you pray. <laughs> you pray. <laughs> I think that's helpful for. But for those who don't have faith, I guess right, what do they right, do then? Right, right. Uh, so I think you know historically, you know there there are uh, a couple of things that uh, that people have done. Um, and as as a clinician, so I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. You know, one of the big things that we try to do is is try to uh, 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 disable you know, the plan. So we, we want to know things like, you know, um, have you thought about how you would do it? Have you thought about when you would do it? Do you have a means uh, to do it? So if you were talking about uh, uh, killing yourself by uh, by shooting yourself, for example, you know, I might ask a question like, do you have a gun? Uh, do you have a bullet bullets for that gun? Uh, do you know where that gun is? And so I might, you know, go about trying to uh, figure out how to disable the plan by, you know, maybe, you know, we could go get the gun. Maybe you could give the gun to someone else and that kind of thing. Um, some of the training that uh, they give in the Army is uh, what they call the ACE training, you know, where you ask somebody whether or not they're suicidal, and then you you uh, you, you care for them. Uh, you spend time with them. You stay uh, in the situation. Um, you, you don't leave them alone. You actively uh, listen. Uh, and then you, uh, at the end of the day, you want to be able to escort them to, to some help. You know, so let's, you know, let's go to talk to a chaplain. Uh, let's, let's go to therapy. You know, let's go to talk to somebody who can help you uh, stay safe. Uh, one of the things that I, I also encourage people to do is uh, take a suicide intervention uh, class, you know, if, if possible. Uh, I know that the... Uh, do you recommend one? Is there a particular yeah. one? 
Well, assist is is one that uh, it's it's offered by by Living Works, and uh, if they are affiliated with the the military, oftentimes uh, they can get into uh, those classes for free. Uh, but assist, it's uh, applied suicide intervention skills training, and uh, it's a it's a two day course. Uh, there is a five-day course where you can do a T4T, train train the trainer. Uh, but basically, it teaches people, you know, what to do when they get uh, an affirmative response. And so the thing that I also teach people is that uh, just because you 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 ask uh, doesn't mean that a person will uh, always say yes. And so you need to be able to, to, to know how to uh, offer other types of support in that incident. Uh, but in the case of, you know, somebody saying, you know, so there are essentially st- six steps, six steps if you want to look at the assist uh, model. Uh, like I said, that's taught by Living Works that's, uh, you know, provided through uh, the military. You're going to do six things. You're going to um, listen for invitations. Uh, and so, you know, when you think about that, you think about, you know, what a person is saying, what a person is doing, what kind of gestures they have. So they're giving you some kind of signs and symptoms that there's something wrong. Uh, and the most obvious, you know, sign that you might see is, you know, or hear is somebody saying, you know, I wish I was dead. You know, I want to want to take take my life. You know, uh, I don't want to be here anymore. Uh, but sometimes you can A lot can of people notice. say that. Does that necessarily mean that they're suicidal? If they say, I don't want well, to be here anymore, I want to well, be dead? It doesn't necessarily mean that they're suicidal, uh, but it means that they're, they have something going on. And like I said, at various times, we all have something going on. So that's why it becomes so important to move to, to that next step where you ask, actually are able to ask the question, you know, are you thinking about killing yourself? You know, are, are you thinking about suicide? Uh, and 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 be able, ready, willing, and able to to hear that that response. Um, uh, for a lot of people, the, the natural gut response is, you know, to to tell them that, uh, you know, oh, it's gonna get better. You know, uh, pray about it. Just hang in there. You know, it, it's gonna be all right. Uh, but the truth is that we don't know that their situation is going to improve. Uh, we don't know that their situation is going to get better. So, you know, one of the things that I encourage people is is not to 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 make promises that you 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 can't keep. Uh, so, the third step is to actually listen to to the story, to listen to the story. Uh, and so, sometimes after a person says that they're suicidal, uh, we try to hurry up and disable the plan. Uh, so as a clinician, you know, early on in my career, you know, I was taught, you know, to say, uh, uh, what's, what's your plan? You know, what, what's your method? Do you have access to, to your method? But uh, uh, this assist model is really good because, because it, it teaches you to, to slow down and to try to get in sync with the person who is at risk and uh, to ask about their story. And so, you know, uh, you ask the question, so tell me, you know, man, what's what's going on? And be uh, willing to listen, willing to listen. Uh, because oftentimes, you know, people really don't want to hear uh, how a person is doing. You know, for example, when we ask, uh, you know, we say to somebody in the morning, uh, good morning, how are you doing? Uh, we expect people to say, uh, fine, and you? 
but right, because that's not a real question. That's um, just a social skills manners right. thing. Right. How are you doing? Fine, thank you. And you. Right. Right. So, you what know, if so someone says, "I'm th- I'm I'm feeling terrible," uh, right. is that a good time to start the step uh, step one? Well, so so the, the, the invitations, you know, uh, that's going to be, you know, them saying things like, you know, I'm feeling terrible, you know, things are horrible, I, you know, I just broke up with uh, my significant other, you know, I just lost my job. And so, you know, you start off with just a conversation and, 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 and listening, and it's the things that they say that will begin to dictate whether or not you need to ask that question about them being suicidal or whether or not they're thinking about killing themselves. Uh, so, so just because somebody's having a bad day doesn't mean that you're about to probe and begin to to asking about their thoughts of suicide. Uh, but like I said, once you get the, the that affirmative response that they are thinking about killing themselves, then you want to hear the story. You know, let them t- let them tell the story. Be patient, um, because the story is 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 going to tell you where they are you know, uh, in life. And ultimately, the fourth step that you want to get to is this, this point where they, they get to a turning point. And a turning point is is where they go from talking about death and dying and suicide to where they start talking about life and, and living and having purpose and, and, and wanting to stay, you know, on this earth. Um, and so you can't get to that without, you know, hearing their, their story. Um, like I said, one of the things that we oftentimes do is we try to offer uh, our own t- turning point as the caregiver. You know, so we'll say, you know, uh, you know, it can't be that bad. Well, you, you really don't know how bad it is, you know, or, or you know, it's going to get better. You, you don't know that it's going to get better or uh, uh, just just hang in there. And perhaps they've been hanging in there for months. Uh, perhaps they've been, been hanging in there for years. Uh, perhaps there's some, some, some trauma that uh, that occurred to them, you know, years and years ago uh, that they've, you know, never, never really addressed and dealt with. And, you know, now it's becoming overwhelming. You know, so during that turning point, you want to try to find out, you know, what reason might exist for a person to want to stay alive? What reason might it might exist for uh, a person to to go on and uh and at least if they're not willing to to uh, uh to go on with some you know great plan of you know what they're going to do in the future uh at least you can perhaps get them to a point where you you can keep them safe for now uh, or you know get them at a point where they're indecisive you know i don't know if i want to live i don't know if i want to die well while we're in this space you know let's at least stay safe for now until you can figure out you know what you might be able to do differently uh and then uh the fifth step is really to get to that that safe plan you know, so once we've talked about the fact that you want to uh, to stay alive and you're no longer thinking about killing yourself, uh, now the question becomes, uh, you know, what do we need to do to to address that? So if it's that, you know, you were going to take some, some pills that were in your m- mother's medicine cabinet, uh, would it be appropriate for us to go to your mother's house and, 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 and get those those pills? Would it be appropriate for us to, to call your mother and say, you know, uh, could you remove those pills? Because uh, Margarita was thinking about taking those 
those pills once she got home. Um, uh, and it might be, you know, appropriate um, if uh, the person can't get to the point where they, they're deciding that uh, they want to stay alive. It may be appropriate uh, to call 911. Uh, it, it, it may be appropriate uh, to uh, you know, get on uh, a suicide prevention line or to, to get on a crisis line. Uh, and, Is there one you one, recommend? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a military crisis line uh, that is, is really good. It's 1-800-273-8255. And what does it so, stand for? Um, I believe it stands for... Oh, it, it escapes me. Do you I think know? It's something, I think, hey, let me look it up. I think it's something about talk. I think I've seen it before. yeah. So we'll we'll keep talking. I'll make sure that I get back to that. Um, so let's say someone just doesn't come to the realization they want to stay alive. Right. If I call, if you call nine one one on me, am I right. going to lose my military career? Right. So this is another reason that uh, you know people don't talk about uh, thoughts of suicide uh, and and actually you know uh, feelings of. of, of PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder, because uh, in for people who are still, you know, actively in the military, whether that's uh, Marines, uh, Army, uh, Army Reserves, uh, Coast Guards, uh, Navy, Air Force, um, it can it can negatively affect uh, a person's career, and so. Um, so oftentimes, uh, people won't want to have uh, the conversation. I have, you know, oftentimes been in situations where I've seen soldiers come back uh, from deployment, and uh, one of the things that they do when when soldiers come back is they do uh, what they call a uh, post-deployment uh, health assessment or a PDHA, and, uh, and and they'll ask at that point, um, you know, while you were deployed, did anything uh, uh, disturb you physically or mentally, you know, uh, as a result of your deployment. And, and oftentimes, you know, no matter what kind of trauma, you know, especially psychological or emotional trauma a soldier may have been through, uh, their response will be, uh, no, I, I, I didn't experience anything. So they they may have, you know, uh, seen some someone lose their life. Uh, they may have wit- witnessed bombs go off. Uh, they may have been in a position where uh, they took a life. Uh, and so one of the things that I learned is that you know, a lot of times soldiers feel um, like uh, as a soldier, you know, uh, that it's going to be easy uh, to kill. Uh, but the truth is that uh, taking a life is a very difficult thing to do. Uh, what we found as it relates to PTSD is that uh, when you think about Vietnam, Soldiers uh, would tell stories about uh, what what happened to them. You know, my my buddy was shot, and uh, there was there was blood all over over my body. Um, but what we're hearing now with uh, uh, OEF and OIF Operation uh, Enduring Freedom and Operation uh, Iraqi Freedom is we're hearing stories of soldiers talk about uh, the life that they took or the things that they had to do in the course of, of being a soldier. And, uh, and and it's things that's, you know, giving them nightmares and flashbacks and, 
and, and, you know, they're having a lot of intrusive thoughts. So when they're asked, you know, are you having any problems, uh, you know, oftentimes the answer should be yes, but uh, they're thinking about their military career. And so if they're trying to, to, to make a career out of it and they're trying to stay in the uh, the armed forces, uh, uh they're trying to make sure that you know nothing adversely or adversely or negatively affects you know their ability to stay there and um that's and so, just so sad and i know in the old days it used to be that admitting to having problem with some of the things we've experienced or witnessed uh would harm our career but i know now that as long as you say hey i I need to get some attention for this, whether it's talking to someone or have some of the other therapies of all sorts of interesting um, uh, treatments, including just talking about things with, with fellow vets. Now, as long as someone speaks up, their career is not in jeopardy. It's only when they don't speak up and have a difficulty, they misbehave somehow, uh, domestic violence. Uh, what are the other misbehaviors that might happen? If they don't speak well, up and get support. Well, let me. So let me say this. Let me say this. So there, there, there is somewhat of a, uh, a fallacy uh, that um, that it's now, you know, because the message from the top is uh, that seeking help is a sign of strength. But when I am in a room of soldiers, you know, thirty, forty, fifty soldiers, and you know, doing the sessions that I, I provide. Uh, I'll ask uh, the question, or I'll say, I'm going to start a statement, I want you to finish it. And I will say that seeking help is a sign of, and then they'll say in unison, weakness. And so somewhere, you know, between, you know, leadership and uh, NCOs and the units and the companies, uh, soldiers have learned to, to suck it up, to be quiet to drive on, to drink water. Um, they're discouraged from talking about uh, vulnerabilities or, or problems or, or issues. They don't want to be seen as the the, the weak link. Uh, and so, you know, my experience is that, um, you know, while uh, there are people who are able to get uh, help for, you know, psychological, emotional, psychiatric, you know, problems uh, and issues and stressors, um uh there are some people who you know will you know perhaps have their weapon taken uh and i just need you to know that one you can't have i mean it's, it's going to be hard for you to be a good soldier if you can't have a weapon uh, i even have Does one that soldier destroy your security clearance forever if no, you no, have no, your no. weapon well, no, no, not not forever. So, you know, it's it's always possible to to get your weapon back, but um Good. You know, so, yeah, I think one of the challenges is that, you know, people are, you know, always uh, concerned about, you know, what kind of score they have on, on their, their psych eval. Uh, uh, and, and so ultimately they're asking themselves the question, you know, will somebody, you know, be trying to make a determination whether or not I'm, I'm, I'm fit for duty? And so oftentimes soldiers will opt to keep their issues to themselves. Uh, and so that's, I believe, when, you know, a person, you know, puts themselves at greater risk uh, for perhaps, you know, having uh, psychiatric problems or uh, or having thoughts of suicide. You know, it's, it's when you so don't reach out. What do you say to those? 
What do you say to those um, military service members, whether it's Army, Navy, Marines, Air Force, Coast Guard, whatever, and to their family members? What do you say to them to do instead of doing nothing? Well, you know, the message that I've been giving to uh, to, to leadership is that you know the uh, the military does a great job of taking care of the mission, and uh, the, the military does a great job of debriefing the mission. And so, ultimately, I think the question becomes: then, uh, who takes care of the soldier, or who teaches the soldier that it's important? You know post-deployment to take care of him or herself. Um, and so on some level, uh, um, the, the the service member has to know that it's okay to get help. So even if they don't feel comfortable going through their chain of command, all right, because uh, oftentimes the response that you get is going to uh, be idiosyncratic to, or it's going to be different based on the mood uh, of your, 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 your commander and, and their views and attitudes and beliefs as it relates to uh, mental health services. Uh, so even if you can't go so, through your chain of so command... what can they do? And it, and I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> so, <laughs> I interrupt well. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, so one, of the, one, of the, one of the things that, you know, uh, that they, they oftentimes... Um, are encouraged to do is to go to to, to vet centers. Um, so, for example, uh, so I, I was with the Department of Defense, uh, Army Reserve. I was at the 416th Theater Engineer Command. They were combat engineers. And just recently, over the last uh, two or three weeks, uh, I am now with the uh, um, uh, Department of Veterans Affairs. I work for the uh, Jesse Brown VA Medical Center. And the the VAs, the medical centers, have these community uh, clinics, if you will, um, that are called vet centers. Vet centers. Now, the beautiful thing about going to a vet center is vet centers do not record into the VA's uh, system, one, uh, and then two, uh, information that is that might occur uh, during therapy or counseling or group therapy uh, does not go into the service member's medical record, right? That's so great, right? So great. it's important, you know, right? So it's important to be able to get help, you know, from somebody who won't potentially, you know, adversely affect your your career. So you could go to a um, to a private therapist, you know, you could go to to a vet center. Uh, you could call the uh, military crisis line or the veterans crisis line. Uh, you could go to your pastor. You know, you could talk to a chaplain. You know, one of the nice things about the chaplains is, uh, at least in the uh, military, uh, they are the uh, only people who have absolute, absolute confidentiality. You know, so there, there are resources. There are people, you know, that you can That's go to. Right. There are agencies. And many times the chaplains have really walked the walk and talked the talk, like my favorite chaplain, Cresselius. He's okay. been there. He knows about suicide. He tells his own story, and he's easy to talk to. And a chaplain is not allowed to tell anyone but God, and from what I hear, God's not much of a gossip. 
Right. And uh, <laughs> so talking to a chaplain is a great first step, but it's not enough. Because right. if, if some of you have a loved one who's suffering uh, from a war-related um, uh, injury or difficulty of any kind, it does make sense to put it on the record so that later on they can get not only some help but some maybe disability. Um, and you do want to put things eventually on the record. That number, 800-273-8255, is 273-TALK, T-L-A-K. 800-273-8255. Did we get through your last point on the assist? Well, no. So there was one last point. And so, you know, after you've come up with this plan, uh, it's important uh, that you confirm the plan. Uh, that you confirm the plan. And uh, oftentimes what we encourage people is that if you have a plan that, you know, for example, you know, uh, that you, your mother was going to take the, the prescription drugs out of the medicine cabinet and, and, and dispose of them or, or hide them or that we were going to therapy, uh, that the, the caregiver actually would not be the person who, who repeats the plan uh, because what you're trying to avoid is having it be the caregiver's plan. Uh, what you need from the person at risk is buy-in. And so, you know, for that last piece, for the the confirmation of what you're going to do for the safety plan, you want the person at risk uh, to verbalize and to be able to to restate, you know, okay, this is what we're going to do. You know, I'm going to have my mother take the uh, the, the peels out of the medicine cabinet. Uh, I'm going to go to therapy. I'm going to call, you know, my, my mom to come get me. And, you know, so that they have buy-in and, uh, and, and ownership with, uh, with uh, this idea of, of staying safe and staying alive. Uh, and ultimately, you know, I think as a caregiver, um, you don't have the power to keep somebody alive forever. Uh, so, you know, I think the thing that we try to, to to encourage caregivers to understand and know is that, um, you know, these six steps really are about uh, keeping safe for now until you can get some some ongoing uh, long-term term help. So, you know, um, uh, so uh, example that I think about is, you know, I, oftentimes I work with uh, first responders who are often times trained, uh, you know, if somebody's standing on, on uh, the top of a, a bridge about to, to jump, if they have an opportunity to, to tackle them, then, you know, they'll tackle them. Or, you know, if a police officer comes up to a person who has a gun and they see an opportunity to snatch the gun out of somebody's hand, they'll snatch the gun. And so first for the caregiver safety, you know, we kind of encourage people uh, not to be putting themselves at risk. You know, so don't don't jump up on the top of a, a bridge trying to grab somebody. You know, so they, they call nine one one. They call nine one one in can, those incidents, right? All right. Well, we have about a minute left, and okay. I know that there are listeners out there who are dealing with someone who's thinking of killing themselves, or maybe have experienced that themselves in the past or even now. Please, sir, what's one thing you would say to them that might help them decide? Uh, to keep on living and uh, make this world a better place just by being alive. Well, so it's it's easy for me to give reasons for people to to stay alive, but I think the important thing is is for you to to find meaning, value, and purpose, you know, for your own life. 
and and uh, to realize that uh, you can have some important and valuable and precious relationships uh, that can help you through the difficult times. Um, as uh, I used to learn as a boy, uh, trouble doesn't last always. Sorrow endures, uh, but for a night, but joy comes in the morning. So uh, no matter how bad it is today, tomorrow can be a better day. Well, that that's just so wise. And I think it's just amazing that such a happy man, happy family man with <laughs> so many um, interesting hobbies is right. dealing in the world of uh, suicide awareness and prevention. How do you keep from having it get you down? What do you do? Well, I think it's important to have balance. I think it's important to have balance. So, you know, while uh, it's a very rewarding work that I do, you know, the process of uh, being able to to save lives and, and help people find meaning in life, it's important. You know, for me, once I get home, it's important for me to, to love my wife and to, to love my children and spend time with, with them. And as, you know, we go camping and, and boating or, you know, horseback riding, uh, we do the kinds of things that uh, that are enjoyable to to us, and and we do the kinds of things that uh, you know enable me to take my mind off of of uh, trauma and pain and hurt and sorrow, uh, and I think about you know the other side of, of of life. You know, oftentimes with you know police officers, first responders, and psychologists, uh, we see the worst of the worst. We see people you know at their lowest point, and sometimes. You know, it's 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 easy for some people to get jaded, uh, but you have to realize that that is um, uh, only a piece of the picture, and so uh, uh, it's important for us also to be able to see the the other side of of the picture. It's it's important for us to see the rest of uh, uh, of, of the picture that there is more to life than just pain, hurt, and sorrow. That there are you know, things that you can love, things you can enjoy, things that you can do, and you have to actively do those things. Exercise, you know, go to church, spend time with time with family, friends. If you like cooking, cook. You know, like I said, I boat, we camp, uh, we horseback ride, uh, and so you know that that's so a therapeutic dive into for me. Life and, and dive into love. Sir, how can people reach you directly? What would be the best way? I put the links on the website, the yeah. Blog Talk Radio, but please give us a direct way to reach you. The easiest way to reach me, 708-359-3568, or, you know, I'll give my... Say that um, again, Uh, 708-359-3568. That's that's me direct. Uh, And then I'll I'll give you my my email, you know, if you have questions, comments, concerns, you know, um, or you just want to talk. Um, My email is Richard. R-I-C-H-A-R-D, Speaks, S-P-E-A-K-S, the number two, the letter U, at sbcglobal.net. And so that's Richard Speaks. And you speaks. do. You do speak to <laughs> us. And, uh, again, I'm, I'm just so excited that you were here. I think it's a great topic. It's a shame that it's taboo. But you know what? Everyone has bad days. And I wish everyone out there... Uh, to, to say to themselves, I matter, I can make a difference, and uh, I wish everyone w- good life and good meaning. If you have questions, please email me directly, margarita at Red Shoe Institute. You can go to my website. Um, thank you all for tuning in and touching base. And Dr. Doss, thank you, 
And regards to your lucky wife. She sure has chosen well. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. You take, Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. You take care, sir. I'll All see right, you the next you. time. All right. Thanks for being with us here on Touch Base Tuesdays with Dr. Margarita Gurry. To hear more Red Shoe stories, visit redshoeinstitute.com. Remember to subscribe to Touch Base Tuesdays on iTunes. This podcast is a production of the Red Shoe Institute, powered by podcastandradio.com.